Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back once again to the Dirt Bad Dugout Podcast. As always, Tony Rivers with me, Nate Weeks, as always. Uh, what is it, episode seven, man? Number seven. Oh, lucky number seven. Beautiful. All right. It is officially May the 25th. So by the time you guys are probably hearing this, whether it's today or you know throughout the weekend, it is officially Memorial Day weekend. A lot of festivities. Hopefully some good ball ahead of us. Um, nothing really in particular. Just a lot of stuff that's been kind of developing over the last week or two since the uh, last episode. So, uh, Nate, by all means, man, what do you what do you got for us? The Orioles City of Jersey uh, did finally drop and release. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I had very high expectations for. And they dashed it upon the rocks. Said straight down, 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 down. Take those expectations <laughs> lower. Let me see this because I didn't. I didn't even get a chance. Let me. Let me see. I need to see this for myself. Let me just back on up. Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! <laughs> yeah, your initial reaction fits. What is that, bro? Are those like three quarter length pants, or is this? Wait, what is this? Hold on, maybe I'm just looking at something, somebody else, or like a model, because I I don't think that's it. So okay, same deal, same deal. Where I was telling you about Cincy with the uh, supposed supposed leak, and I was really hoping that that wasn't it. I kind of like the little B, you know, the little cursive B. Probably could have put some orange around it or, you know, could have put some more color sweet. Yeah, something. Something. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. What? Oh, what is that? Just... Super bow. I, I prefer the Cincy. At least they have the cap. And it's kind of, I still think it's too plain. And I wish they would have done more. But it's at least growing on me a little bit more with the red stripe. And I know in particular, um, Jonathan India had some custom Jordans made, you know, with some, you know, all black with some red kind of lining along okay. the way and stuff. So it worked. Like if you implement it all together, I'm like, okay, that's kind of slick. At least, you know, he he kind of ran with it, but still way too plain. I I don't want to say this is the worst. Rangers definitely take that spot as far as this. Uh, definitely this iteration of, of unveiling. And probably altogether the worst, but my God, Baltimore, what? This is bad. Like this, bad. In, Such a mess. That like you failed the city of Baltimore in representing how much culture there is. Uh, the state of Maryland is huge in Baltimore. I expected the flag to be somewhere. Like just. I think it was on the side, but it's basically like a oh, it's already, it's just a quick little patch. It's it's nothing. Like they have the little colors on the inside, the collar along the edges of of the the arms, like the sleeves on the edges of them. But there's really nothing to write home about with that. That's a like, one. 
for it because they're, you know, like I don't want to tell people that these are Baltimore City Connects. <laughs> they they shouldn't be proud of this product. It <clears throat> it's a misrepresentation of the team, of the city, and it's all very half-assed. Yep. I don't I don't get it. It's like we keep saying it's like you either want to go all out, whether I mean for better or for worse, you know, at least with like Rangers more in mind, like you, you want to try to do too much or you want to go the Cincinnati route and just some some prefabbed, oh, I'll just put the name, I'll just, you know, MLB the show real quick where I just put the stripes on the side, some random color and slap a jersey together and call it a day road to the show let's go like uh, i don't i'm so flabbergasted i'm i'm really trying to wrap my mind around how cuz it's not even ugly i'm not even saying how awful like in that way cuz there's nothing to be uh, there's no particular point that stands out where you could be like oh that's ugly as hell it's just plain it's so plain like there's just no other word for it Oh wow, they they dropped the ball hard on that. So we have the Pirates, I believe, are, are last up on the fifth. I don't I think yeah, they're getting ready to drop it, right? June fifth is yeah. to be unveiling day. And at this point, it's uh I don't even know if I have anything left in the tank to to expect anything above meh, like I swear to God, if it's another like all black and they don't embrace like the Jolly Roger and being a bunch of fucking pirates, I'm going to lose my fucking mental compunction here because. Blue light special on Nate. (laughs) Just. I'm at it. I'm done. I'm throwing it in the towel. Throwing the tables, tossing tables, taking your shoelaces away from you, everything. Like, I have no dog in the fight, but that's how much. I want there to be something that isn't trash. Like, I'm going to be paying more money for this. Exactly your face. Like, that. it's just frustrating because it's like, I want, just general baseball fan, I want these fan bases to have something extra to root for and to look forward to. Like, hey, we're not getting the usual home away and alternate. Like, this is supposed to be a little bit something extra, especially for all teams. It's not just the favorites that the network always loves to, you know, get on their knees for, but any team, any team can get it and be proud of, you know, a little something that there's, you know, apparently what supposedly I should say is supposed to represent their city. And we've seen time and time again, some very, very hardly, I guess hardly isn't the right word. They very much fail to reach that. Like, uh, so at this point, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I have the energy to expect anything from from the pirates, and that's sad because I want, I want the pirates to do, you know, great with this opportunity. But especially because they're having such a gangbuster season, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. reward the players, reward the fans, do a good job. Yep. Fuck this up. Yeah, and it's forever. It's not like oh, this is the twenty twenty three edition. We're gonna do this again next year, or. You know, it's not like it's some kind of long-standing deal. It's obviously uh, slated out to go across a couple of years, but it's not like you get some new edition 
every year or every five years or 10 or like it's it's no kind of specialty jersey like a anniversary or like i said anything that isn't going to be a, a long-standing alternate it's more for the fans or like you know a specialty super specialty jersey for certain teams to use so yeah you got to do it right you really only get one chance that's so true in the fact that you get one opportunity to deliver and a well, mm. yeah it's frustrating <laughs> it's like bro just as a baseball fan I'm like come on what are we doing here you had i mean this started in in 22 they announced it in 21 i believe and started implementing it obviously last year and then this season so you've had even if you want to say oh they're you know if they were kind of mad last year and then started getting better like you know at this particular point in time you've had two full years to kind of develop you know at each individual team depending on how nike figures it out whether they just talk to individual teams or they just kind of you know what i mean like you had time and the more time goes on, like with the pirates, you've had, you know, a couple months beforehand compared to maybe the reds or the Mariners or whatever, you've had that extra time since then to kind of make tweaks and plan. And however you produce, like you, you have time on your side. So it, as time goes on more and more, you have less and less of an excuse. Whereas maybe like the first three, like if the, if the nationals would have fell short, the Royals would have fell short, which, was another one I forgot to mention. The Royals one is pretty slick. I like the Royals jersey. So how do you go from the first, like, three to five of them actually looking pretty nice, even Miami's, White Sox, all those being, like we've been saying, a certain standard where you're like, okay, cool. Now that you have all this extra time, potentially an extra whole year, and we're just phoning it in now. Like, that just kind of seems like it should be the opposite, but... So uh, I don't know. It's at that point where it's again, like I, I just hope they kind of get through it now. Because the first six were absolute bangers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely right in this in the fact that you've known that we're gonna do a, a city connect with you. We and that you know like this has been a part of. We've had time to fuck. And I guess it's they just they got lazy. They got sloppy. I don't know, but. You can't deliver so well and then just fuck it all up. Yep, just phone it in. Hard phone it in. Especially, I mean, I know Nike doesn't necessarily have a hard connection to MLB, but considering everything that's happened since last year and the year previous, obviously Goldilocks balls, which we covered a couple episodes ago, and then previous, how they were using two different balls, you know, the, the dead balls and live balls, like... Just so many different black eyes that weren't necessary. So this kind of being a a good distraction, you know, a welcome distraction, something to kind of bring back that fan engagement, true fan engagement that we've been talking about. You got to make sure you do it right. And at least as far as this year is concerned, yeah, they they have not lived up to the hype. All right. So I, I want to revisit an incident that happened a little bit ago, uh, the Yankees and the Blue Jays, and the uh, the pitch tipping that occurred. Um, Jackson was on the mound for the Blue Jays. Judge was at bat for the Yanks. Mm. Judge is looking over at the dugout, and I don't know what he saw. I don't know what happened. 
but then for the pitcher to come out and admit like hey i was apparently tipping my pitches because i was grabbing my grips outside of my mitt I, I I don't know what to make of it all because the dugout shouldn't be getting involved. It's one thing if a hitter notices, hey, when he's grabbing his slider, he's doing it down by his, you know, like down by his pants, where he's mm-hmm. not, you know, he's doing something different. And if if batter to batter relays that, that's fine. But you can't have the skipper in the clubhouse. And the man, like the dugout, getting involved to the degree where the batter is going to call time, take a quick glance. He's going to get a nod. He's going to get a, you know, something to be like, all right, did see him switch it, you know, to indicate that I know what I saw. I, I can't believe that a pitcher would be so sloppy. Yeah, I think that's that's the takeaway, especially I know there was some. I'm not sure if it was John Boy, like John Boy in particular, or they're talking baseball side, because obviously John Boy and company are more Yankees fans. So I wasn't sure if it was if it was those pages or somewhere else. But I know even the broadcast, the Blue Jays broadcasters, I believe, were even breaking it down in game where they could kind of determine like, oh, yeah, he's looking straight at the Blue Jays dugout. So much like you said, even within that information, that just lets you know that the, the pitcher needs to tighten it up. Like, yeah, bar bar none. Like, that's just the absolute bottom line of it. You got to tighten it up. Whether or not, even if you're dug out, like in, in what you were getting at, even if they're trying to relay to you, hey, he's got it, or they're confirming, or, you know, within their own whatever signs that they got, the second you start as the pitcher, you start kind of noticing, hey, you know, he's looking for something. Maybe he has. That's the time to take the time out and just be double, doubly sure. I know, uh, I want to say it was either 21, maybe it was 22. Maybe maybe I'm already switching it up. But I know that it happened, uh, I believe, with the White Sox and the Astros in, in one particular case where middle of the game, it wasn't the trash can situation, but I know that there was a case where mid-game, they had to switch up their calls. And they literally had called time because I, I think – um, I think I can't remember what batter or what pitcher, but I do want to say that he had noticed that the batter was sw- obviously swinging at stuff that not that he shouldn't have been swinging at, but just like, hey, you're getting a little too close. You're fouling off just a little bit. So, you know, if you make if you rise up an inch or two, that's contact and that's out of here or, you know, stuff where if he's throwing filth, he's throwing some crazy slider like hey, normally he would probably take that because he initially would be thinking, you know, it's going outside and the movement would take care of it. But the fact that he's swinging at it lets me, you know, kind of know he's looking for that slider. He's looking for that movement rather than just kind of guessing. So, you know, it, it wouldn't be out of the realm of, you know, safe practice or, you know, whatever to to call that quick timeout. Hey, let's switch up our, you know, let's do it backwards or forwards or, However, you know, you know that these batteries work hand in hand to to get these strikeouts. Everybody loves to give all the credit to the pitcher, but you you got to know that's also the catcher. That's also the dude handling the backstop, giving the signals, trying to get everything going. So it, it's not. It also kind of falls on the catcher for not catching that as well. But at the same time, he can't see Judge looking over. 
that's that's on you as a battery to clean that up more than anything. So um, hopefully it's a hard lesson, you know, that he had to learn, but hopefully he, uh, you know, cleans it up more than anything, because this is not this is not a division where you can just allow that to keep going. Uh, quick note, though, while while we're on actu the actual uh, East, I did have a little thing on records by division. So it's such a far disparity. The AL East compared to the rest. So this is all just combined records all together. 146 to 95. The lowest would be obviously the AL Central 100 to 138. And then NL Central 111 to 125. So you're, you know, I'll give the other three real quick, but that's just where we're at. You literally have about a 30 to 40 game difference across, you know, all divisions combined. So that lets you know with what we're talking about, especially with the AL East, that is not a division, especially rivals where you're supposed to be two or three games projected, you know, between first and third, you cannot be giving up those games, especially off of sloppy play, sloppy pitching mechanics, whatever, you know, dudes are already looking, you know, they do their, their research. They do game plan for you. They kind of, you know, you start tipping like how you much, like you said, Hey, I know he grips it down. He goes down and then brings it up when he's going for his two-seamer. I know that he starts midway when he's going for a slider. I know that he kind of fumbles around with his his glove, you know, when he's going to do the four-seamer or whatever. These dudes have seen you enough, and they train well enough. So if you're going to be in this kind of division, you need to clean it up. Like, that's just not going to work out for you this year. And Jackson, as a result of that sloppiness, was optioned down to AAA to give him a chance yeah. That's the I think, and that's going to be the the teaching point. If the trend continues, if you don't clean up your uh, ball manipulation, uh, your uh, pitch prior grip manipulation, he is going to find himself getting option to double to single. It, 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 we're going to find out that he's not uh, an MLB caliber pitcher. So, what is it going to take to bring? A guy who is known to be a little sloppy, what's it going to take to bring him back up into that rotation? I mean, the easiest answer is working on the mechanics, repetitions. I mean, you, we'd love to talk about, especially in a tactical mindset, that muscle memory, like quite literally, as many repetitions if, if you need to. Uh, this kind of uh, reminds me of... Uh, I'm not sure what podcast or where, where it was from, but I remember Nolan Arenado saying something where he would literally film himself just taking BP or just practicing his swings just to see his different mechanics. Like, oh, hey, am I pulling? Am I choking up a little bit more? Am I anticipating? Am I stepping into it? You know, even if it's the smallest minute things that can make a difference, especially if you're, if you're uh, repeating certain mechanics or certain motions, especially as a pitcher, again, much like we said, I know, hey, I noticed, you know, filming myself, you know, if I if I pull it up, that's obviously where I do my slider. If I do it lower, that's my two-seamer. So you got to, I mean, obviously I'm not a pitcher. So, I mean, obviously location may determine how you set up into your windup, into your actual delivery. But if there's something where you could, maybe adjust to make it a little more how do I want to say like like not not an average but if there's a certain motion that works the best that gives less of a of a flag towards the 
you know, towards the batter of what you're throwing, that may have to be something where you make those adjustments, uh, especially with like a pitching coach, a hitting coach, you know, if he's on the opposite side, like, Hey, I notice as a, as a hitter, I'm going to be telling my hitters to look for this. Like, I think it's going to have to take that extra level of, of detail, self, uh, self analyzing, you know, you're going to have to do that extra homework. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And the only thing that's going to correct it. And if he wants to even think about being brought back up is mechanic muscle memory. He's going to have to video him. He's going to have to make sure that this gets nipped in the bud. That, that's a very good point that he is literally going to have to be disciplined enough to make sure he is training better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, while we're kind of on pitching, I know there was a particular pitcher we had mentioned previous episode who had a pretty good start in another league and has since almost fell off a cliff. I'm talking about Trevor Bauer. So we had a really great first start. Uh, and I have this, uh, let me see my notes. And his first three starts, however, 15 innings, 26 hits allowed, an 8.4 ERA. And those back-to-back starts with seven runs allowed. So he went down from that one hit or those seven hits, one you know, one ERA, 1.5, whatever it was, to those second and third starts just ballooning to just garbage time, garbage time level of numbers. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, if he wants a shot to come back into the big league, holy cow. He's gonna... You got to pump those numbers down. I said they got to pump them up. You got to pump those numbers down. <laughs> Me you got to pump them down in this racket. Man. What on earth? Maybe he doesn't have the sauce. Maybe he got, you know, maybe he was just throwing a good game. Yeah, maybe hitters figured him out. He had a really good first start. Like, okay, cool. I can, you know, and, and hitters obviously did their homework and – Next two games, cool. We got you. We know we know your uh your antics and yeah, so much like uh much how we how we said for the uh, previous pitcher, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to work on that, especially if he wants to come back up to the majors. I mean, this is as much as we love to say this is a hitters league, you know, at least I would say in the last handful of years, overall, it's still up to the pitchers. I mean, there's some dudes with some nasty stuff, you know, in our league that predominate or that dominate this league. So, you know, you're going to have to step up your game if you want to be in that in that threshold, you know, if you want to be part of that. That's a good point in the respect that it is up to pitchers in 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 regard to the fact that we're seeing the emergence of the cut slider that breaks across the strike zone in a more aggressive fashion than just the traditional slider coming, you know, or like a slurve where you slurve. I'm going to say slurve. Yeah. And you've got that extra little umph at the end. Yeah. It, it takes a, a lot for pitchers to engineer better, more aggressive pitch types when you're getting batters who 
the game is kind of making it a little more friendly for them. You know, we're playing with the baseballs. Uh, we're adding it, you know, it's a hitter's game. And that's what pitchers do is they try and stop hitters. Mm-hmm. That's that's probably a very, I like the way you said that. Yes, yes. We have to clean it up. I mean, obviously it's not going to be this year. You take the rest of this year to clean up what you need to clean up. And maybe 24, I can't say for sure what free agency may hold. I mean, there's still a couple of teams, I'm sure. I mean, you're maybe not going to be the ace or two or three, but you could still be serviceable somewhere else. If, though, I mean, obviously they're looking at that stat line like, no, nah, I think we're good. Like, we got we got dudes in AAA we could probably call up that would do the same for probably a lot less than you would expect with that pre-Sion, you know, the accolades you'd want with that pre-Sion Lenny. We could probably do that with some some prospects for half or three times less, you know, the amount. But yeah, if he wants to come back and that's going to be the biggest thing. Um, I do have, I think I have two other things for some pitchers. Uh, I guess, well, do you want the good news or do you want the bad news? Oh, bad news first. I knew it. Yes. <laughs> hey, it's just easier. It makes, it makes down. <laughs> you got to follow with some good news to make, you know, you got to, you got to take that spoonful of vinegar followed by a spoonful of sugar. I get you. Kumar Rocker scheduled to go undergo Tommy John. So obviously in his minors, you know, but I think, and this isn't the good news about it. This is more just a silver lining of that. Does that mean since he is, I don't know if he elected, I'm not saying that they forced him, but since he is electing to undergo it, is that more indicative of the Rangers kind of being okay where they are? Like, hey, knock this out of the way. We're in a good enough position. So, you know, you could take the year off, obviously, heal up. Is this kind of an indicator of a 2024 call-up and allowing him to kind of flourish? Ooh, well phrased. Well phrased in the respect that Tommy Johns is one of the, look, and ever since the surgery kind of entered the game where it's an elected procedure, there are guys who have it written into their contract, you know, like X, Y, and Z, and I'm getting, you know, TJ Sert, you know. So I, I think it's always dangerous when you have a guy going under elective procedure just to help a tendon coming over so we can throw better. Um I want to lean to the fact that they're hoping it all just goes smoothly. And next year, he's going to be the rocker that they want him to be. I I think that's the trajectory it takes as long as the surgery goes well. But it's disappointing for the Rangers, who are in the same division as the title-holding Astros. should be very concerned with making sure that you're not taking your foot off of all of the necks. Yeah. Keeping Rocker, like, I don't think this is the best decision for the Rangers, but it could have very legitimate long-term payoffs. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm trying to, trying to angle it. Like, 
and obviously still in the minors. It's not, I mean, we didn't really hear any, any sort of news regarding whether or not they were going to call him up. Maybe they were just sitting him, saw something they didn't like and figured, Hey, you know, it's still roughly early enough. You know, we're just about a week shy of, of June. You can obviously take off, you know, the next six months, basically maybe come back, you know, healed up, you know, for spring training, maybe we can bring you in, you know, opening day roster, who knows, but it, it definitely, again, is probably more indicative of that 2024 come up and, you know, hopefully it's something where it's not out of, I don't want to say necessity in that way, because obviously they felt it was necessary, but like, we'd rather just have you go through it now and we're okay with where we are now rather than trying to, you know, push you and it falling short. And then that means even more time in 24 that we're taking away. So I think they're playing a little more safe. Um, it's just unfortunate, like you said, unfortunate that we're we're going to have to wait to see him in a, in a major league team. So. And that's something I'm so hungry for, is to actually see Kumar Rocker on the rubber. I want to see him throw. I Just, just the hype surrounding him is... Mm-hmm. Oh, I am chomping at the bit to see how well this guy actually does. It's going to be so thrilling. And hopefully next season we get it in the respect mm-hmm. Tommy Johns goes well. Every The rehab goes phenomenally. He gets uh, he performs well in spring training, makes opening day roster. He's in that first month rotation. Um, I think that's probably – the best case scenario, the best case outcome, that the Rangers utilize him next year, and then, holy shit, if they're this good now, their bullpen might be unstoppable next season. Mm-hmm. They just need to stay on it, especially considering I'm not sure where they sit in particular as far as their free agents, but if they manage to to keep it all together you know, or at least uh, a general semblance of it, then, yeah, the, the sky is the limit. Um, so the second note I have is regarding, I believe he's a rookie since it would be his first three starts, uh, rookie pitcher for the Mariners, Bryce Miller. Uh, so this is, let me make sure I got the note on this. Eight runners allowed over his first three starts, marking the fewest in MLB history. And this is minimum 15 innings, 15 innings, uh, 15 innings pitch. Wow. Can't talk. Sorry about that, guys. So some good history for a good young pitcher. Fewest over all of MLB history. So it kind of leads me towards the Mariners' future now. Obviously, they've invested in Julio Rodriguez who hasn't done as well so far as he did his rookie campaign, obviously winning rookie of the year, uh, still has time to bounce back, obviously, especially over the length of his contract. Um, but more in the general sense, obviously the Mariners are looking towards their youth, the talent of their youth to help get it done. Um, so I guess my question is, is this indicative of, you know, a bright, a bright future for the Mariners. Like they're in a good spot now, obviously made the playoffs. Uh, they're still 
you know, looking to continue that tradition this coming year, but how good would that make you feel? Like if you were that Mariners fan, how good would that make you feel, you know, think thinking just even five years, five years down the line? Do you do you feel like they could be pretty good competitors with the Rangers and the Astros? Competitive is absolutely where they'll be. All right. So if you're telling me that in his first three outings, he throws more than six innings and he only affords three base runs, you know, that's look, Clayton Kershaw did that once. All right. Back in 2015. All right. So just to, to think that Seattle is sitting on Bryce Miller, like, I don't know whether he was uh, just a part of the farm. I don't know where he came from. But the fact that he is there producing for them now, and he is in the company of Kershaw, like, you're already matching what big names do. Mariners fans should be over the moon with the fact that their bullpen is looking like it's going to be in very good hands. Forget the pickup of Castillo too. I mean, you got you got dudes, veteran players as well. It's not like you're just, you know, putting your hopes on on the young guys. You have an established, an established lineup. I mean, obviously you you just had um, uh, not Corey Seager, uh, the other Seager brother. You know, you had you had a history of veteran players who played the game right, who know. You know what it takes to succeed. Obviously, you know didn't didn't come away with a ring. You know over their last handful of handful of years, but building a good culture where hey, we have the talent. Now we just need to match that up and take it to the next step. Obviously, getting over the big hump that was getting into the postseason. The future looks bright. I, I think. And maybe his presence in the bullpen will help with that postseason hurdle where now we're going to start because we know that our bullpen is shored up rocking and rolling we can try and pursue some bat and defensive assets that are really going to ensure that we not only make it like we don't want to be scraping into the postseason for seattle we want to be able to compete no you're right that's gonna that's gonna be what it what it's going to take. You can't be just like, yes, use that as, as the, how do I want to say, use that as kind of like the baseline, like, Hey, we know we can reach it, but that's not, you know, that's the absolute minimum make it, but then go forward. We like, much like you said, we can't be content with just scraping in and like quite literal last day of the, of the year, barely making it. Like we should be a handful of games, you know, above, you know, not looking at a wild card, like we should have already stamped our ticket, you know, at the very minimum mid-September, you know, just the last two weeks are basically a wash to, I don't know, mix up rotations or just get the guys, certain guys rest or whatever. You know, we should be in that position where where the, the last two weeks are basically just getting you prepared for October as opposed to like, no, we're trying to barely make October. So I agree. It's it's going to, it has to be that shift in in perspective. For them this year absolutely so that was that was all i had though for the other as far as pitchers um i have some stuff for 
uh, international series and stuff, but we could save that for next for next episode. I did want to talk about one of one of your players over in uh, uh over in Chicago land over in Wrigleyville. Eric Hosmer getting DFA'd, my guy. Talk about Morell hitting home runs. All right, we're gonna talk about Hosmer. Okay. Nope, you thought I was going by like, nope, wait, I gotta <laughs> nope, I gotta throw a curveball on everybody. 180. All right, so are we are we shocked that Hosmer got DFA'd? I don't I mean, I'm not trying to throw shade, but I'm more shocked that the Padres gave him that eight-year, almost 150 mil. I was more shocked at the amount. They could have really used that. Even if you want to slash that, say four-year, 70, 75, whatever mil, they could have obviously used more of that payroll towards somebody else. I'm not even saying that's a slight towards San Diego because obviously they're not shy about opening up the purse, you know, back into the Brinks truck for anybody. Not just anybody, but, you know, everybody can basically get can get paid there. Um, so I'm not shocked. I'm, like I said, more shocked at the deal that he had. And I think it kind of locks him up and it works more against him than anything, just because nobody's going to want to pick that up. You know, you still, I mean, he signed that in 2018. So that's technically five years. So you would still have three, the last three years left, you know, obviously finishing up this year and two more years. So you're basically linking yourself to him for a guaranteed three years if you pick that up. So, um, you know, he had a career of 284. Obviously, it, since that since that deal, he's down to 263. So obviously a little bit of a drop off. Um, still over 250, though. So, I mean, even if, you're not expecting crazy amount of production. The fact that it was the Cubs, I'm not saying that they're bottom dwelling, but the fact that, a, you know, you think a mid-tier team is like, mm, no, you're too mid. We need to get rid, you know. So there's there's not that many teams that would just be willing to pick him up, even if they were in the middle of the pack. I mean, I think that's a really good point in respect of the Cubs. Like, we need that help. And the fact that we're letting a guy who's, Career, you know, was 280, undergoes a slump, a hell of a slump, drops down uh, all the way to uh, the 260. Like, and I get that it's over 250, but the la- the sincere lack of production, I think mm-hmm. I, we DFA'd him. I, I really think that's why we designated him for free agent. Like, just because there's no, not nearly enough production for what we thought we were going to get in return. Yeah, I think especially as far as the Padres are concerned, because nobody really didn't see that coming once they try to send him off. I mean, I think kind of really would wish that the Red Sox would have picked that up, but the fact that he tried to exercise his option, like, I'm not going to Boston, like, bro, you're not that guy, like, either, <laughs> though. So if somebody wants to take you, I think you should just kind of I mean, do you think the Red Sox would have designated him at some point if it would, you know, she was on the other foot? I, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, you're just kind of stuck in this position now. So, I don't know. Well, I got nothing else if you got nothing else, man. No saved rounds here. All right. Very well, then. Uh, we will have episode eight coming up pretty soon. 
appreciate you guys listening and watching as always. Have a good, happy, safe Memorial Day as well. And we'll talk to you soon. So until then, stay tuned, dirtbags. Thank you.